Hey there, it's Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR. Before we get into the next episode, I wanted to ask that you subscribe to the show. It'll help us get even more unique and interesting guests on the podcast and in turn continue to educate management teams and the growing ecosystem that creates value for fast-growing private and public companies. And while you're at it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Very much appreciated. We really provide chefs a business in a box. You know, we do all the sales, the marketing, the delivery, the service, the payment collection. All they have to do is focus on their passion. There's been a recent trend in business to build platforms and products that help creators and entrepreneurs work with more flexibility and efficiency. We really kind of help provide this alternative career path where chefs can become entrepreneurs and really fostering entrepreneurship. And it provides a, a tremendous amount of lifestyle flexibility. Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. During the pandemic, there was an explosion of on-demand delivery sites and apps focused on consumer convenience. And today's guest has gone beyond that to build a strategic service and platform that provides flexible opportunities for customers and their employees. This week, we get to sit down with Jeff Grass, co-founder and CEO of Hungry. You can find them at tryhungry.com. It's the first ever platform that connects independent chefs to the catering and corporate food services markets while improving the lives of its chefs, clients, community, and team. Hungry now operates in 13 U.S. cities and is growing at triple-digit rates. They've raised $60 million in venture capital from its investors, including heavyweights Walter Robb, who's the founder of Whole Foods, Ming Tsai, founder of Simply Ming, Jay-Z, Usher, and Kevin Hart, among others. Jeff was also chairman and co-founder of LiveSafe, a fast-growing venture-backed mobile safety and anonymous communications platform. LiveSafe was acquired in 2020. He's also chairman and co-founder of BuySafe, a VC-backed online trust company enabling businesses to rapidly increase customer trust and make online shopping safer for buyers and more profitable for online merchants. Jeff has his MBA from Wharton and a BBA in finance and economics from James Madison University. Let's enter the arena with Jeff Grass. You know, when, when I was growing up, the idea of being an entrepreneur was much less common. My dad worked for the U.S. government his whole career. My mom was a social worker. And so I, I didn't really you know, have a, a very clear vision of, of wanting to become an entrepreneur. But when I look back, I, there was lots of entrepreneurial tendencies. You know, I'd started my own lawn mowing business or, you know, different things that kind of showed an interest in, in being an entrepreneur. But it wasn't until after business school, actually, where I had the opportunity for my first company, be seed funded at Idea Lab, that I ended up taking more of the, the entrepreneur route as opposed to more the traditional route. And how did the idea for Hungary come to you? The kernel of the idea came from my co-founder. So I started Hungry about six years ago with, with two co-founders of, of LiveSafe that you mentioned previously, my last company. The idea was, was really born out of the frustrations we had. Our office was in a, 
in a bit of a food desert. There wasn't a lot of choices or options nearby. And feeding the team or providing options for the team was always a bit of a struggle. And so the idea was, wouldn't it be cool if we could connect office workers with great local chefs or local cooks and you know provide kind of a win-win solution? That was sort of the original idea. It was more B2C initially, but uh, we quickly pivoted to the B2B side, you know, focusing on office catering. There's obviously a disruption going on here with the idea. Maybe tell us a little bit about the market and kind of how you're disrupting, you know, that traditional corporate food and events industry. Well, the market's gone through a lot of change, you know, since we started the company. Pre-COVID, it was $60 billion a year market. Companies had, had consistently been investing more and more in, in bringing food into the office in order to make their workers more productive, in order to enhance culture, build communication, camaraderie, you know, lots of different good reasons for it. And then when COVID hit, you know, the industry was devastated. Suddenly no one was in the office, there were no events happening and was an interesting sort of challenge for our business. That's an interesting word to use. I, you know, probably the biggest challenge you faced in your career. My <laughs> words, not yours, but it must have been quite startling when when everything hit. Yes, it was. Uh, March 2020 was not a good month. Uh, <laughs> I remember millions of dollars of sales just evaporating before our eyes. It's just like cancellations were flowing in, and it was a challenging time. But the team rose to the occasion, and we really, I think, triumphed through it. You know, quite nicely. Yeah. What I was going to ask you is, you know, I have our, our own small company and when we get people together, you know, we just kind of look on the internet. We look for like a catering company and it seems a little dated and kind of, I don't want to say, of course the food is really good and everything, but it, maybe it's less interesting than a, a famous chef catering something for you. How are higher profile chefs in local communities, how are they set up to deliver food to, you know, within their restaurant and how is the dynamic of like a catering business. How are you kind of getting in the middle of that so people really understand kind of how it works and how you're bringing those two together in a much more efficient way? Well, the core buyer is the person inside the office responsible for bringing food in, right? And so I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of being the person, you know, who, who's trying to figure out, you know, what are we going to get, you know, accommodate for everybody's, you know, dietary restriction or food allergy. And it's amazing. 99% of our customers hate their responsibility of bringing food into the client, into the office. It's a thankless task. Like you said, you're, you're going online, you're looking for different options, you're trying different restaurants each time or try a caterer here or there. And the challenge is, is you end up, you know, it takes a ton of time. It's hard to please everyone. It's difficult, you know, with regards to reliability because, you know, sometimes they show up on time, sometimes they don't. And then the quality of the service you get tends to be, you know, quite variable as well. It's a responsibility that eats up a lot of time and comes with lots of hassles and headaches. And so um, we really designed Hungry with the idea of, you know, how do we eliminate that, you know, for the buyer of office food? How do we make their lives better? And so the way Hungry works is we're a platform. So we don't actually make any food. We partner with some of the best chefs in the local area. We also tap into some of the best restaurants. And so it gives us a platform of virtually infinite variety for our clients. So you come to Hungry, we can make sure you're not ordering Panera every day. You know, you've got, you know, really good choices is really high quality. And then most of the food is produced by chefs that cook out of shared kitchens or ghost kitchens. And these are, are like WeWorks for chefs. Um, they're low cost places for them to prepare food in a licensed commercial kitchen. 
And so by tapping into high-end chefs or very talented chefs, we get very high quality, but it's produced at a much lower cost structure than if you're trying to source food from a retail establishment like a restaurant that has you know retail rents and lots of overhead and infrastructure and food waste. And so it allows us to provide much more value for our clients. You get you know, high quality food at a Panera price point with you know, ultra reliability and, and a VIP level of service because it's our team that's actually picking up the food from the chef's kitchen, transporting it to the client site, doing the setup. We come back an hour later, we do cleanup and we take all the hassles and headaches off of the client and, and just make it really reliable and, and smooth. Yeah, and I think you do a great job of describing the company on the website and certainly some of the press that you've gotten. But this is a really great thing for chefs, you know, who normally are uh, tied down in in their restaurants every single night, including weekends. But they have a lot more flexibility by joining the platform, and it's almost like starting their own business in a way, right? It is, yeah. I'm, I'm, I love that you talked about the chefs because we really provide chefs a business in a box. You know, we do all the sales, the marketing, the delivery, the service, the payment collection. All they have to do is focus on their passion, which is cook great food at, at the time we need it. And it provides a, a tremendous amount of lifestyle flexibility. So chefs can choose when they want to be available, when not. So they can choose by day or by cooking session. And so it's challenging for many people to who have a passion around cooking and want to be a professional chef. But typically, you know, most jobs, restaurant jobs, you're working nights and weekends, right? So if you're a mom, like you can't be a mom and a professional chef very well, right? It's hard to, to balance that. So we, we see we have a, a disproportionately higher percentage of female chefs on our platform. We have a lot of recent immigrants as well who have trouble sort of breaking into the raising capital to start their own restaurant, things like that. So yeah, we, we really kind of help provide this alternative career path where chefs can become entrepreneurs and really kind of fostering entrepreneurship on across hundreds of chefs. And uh, you alluded to it in one of your earlier answers, but all of this sounds so expensive, but it's actually not. And, you know, it's almost like a win-win-win for everybody. Obviously, the end customer who might be me and the chef and the community, but part of that is the value that the platform delivers in terms of price. Maybe comment how you're able to do that effectively on price and kind of what, what is the business model itself? How do you make money? So we essentially get a wholesale price from our chef. So we work with the chefs to help them design menus that make sense for for catering and and sort of fit across different price points. What's nice is with lots and lots of chefs on the platform, you've got higher cost menus, lower price menus. We've got a range of different choices and options. So we can typically meet most any company's food budget. So if you have a budget, great. Like we can help you then figure out, you know, what are the best options for that budget? And so, yes, it gives us a lot of flexibility. We get a wholesale price from the chef. We then mark it up to kind of cover our costs of delivery and service and then uh, make sure it's a compelling solution for our, our clients as well. So it's a it really is designed to make our the lives of our clients better, the lives of our chefs better, and also you know, give back to the community in the process. So we're, we're trying to make it a win-win-win, like you said. Yeah, really uh, threading the needle in that way. Um, one thing I have to ask you, Jeff, is how in the world did you put a cap table together like this? Your investor group is absolutely crazy. Uh, <laughs> from the the world of uh, uh, famous chefs and restaurants to celebrities, and then obviously the traditional venture capital. Um, obviously, you're doing something great to attract this kind of capital. And maybe you could just comment on how that's additive uh, to driving value, not only for uh, shareholders, but all the groups that you referenced earlier. Yeah, we've been incredibly fortunate with the broad range of support you know, that we've received across, um, like you said, a wide range of different types of investors. I think most or, or nearly all have really been motivated by the, the 
purpose of the business and our approach of really trying to improve the lives of everyone we touch and creating this alternative career path for chefs as well. And it's interesting, a lot of it came through chef relationships. So, you know, we first got connected to Jay-Z through Beyonce and Jay-Z's personal chef. And we got connected to Usher through his mom that runs an incubator kitchen in Atlanta. So it's, it's funny, you, know, you, you learn how much access chefs actually have, which uh, is probably underappreciated. Yeah, Usher's going to do what his mom tells him to do anyway, so I'm <laughs> yeah. sure, right? <laughs> yeah, but they've certainly helped raise the profile of the business. You know, we, we've gotten way more than our fair share of press and PR, and, and we've been fortunate to be able to do lots of different types of special events with, you know, each of our, our different, you know, backers and celebrity backers to help elevate some of the things that are really important to us, like, you know, helping fight food insecurity in the country and giving back and, and things that are important to them as well. So it's been a, a real win-win. Yeah, well, talking about doing the right thing, talk about the carbon neutral delivery program. You know, it's obviously very important. You also have a give back program. Maybe you can talk about those two things. So um, since the founding of the company, we really wanted to have one of the core pillars is focused on, you know, giving back in the communities where we operate. And so with a name like Hungry and a platform for food, helping fight hunger was an obvious sort of one that we, we really chose to focus in on. And so since we started, we've, um, for every two meals that are sold on our platform, we provide a meal to help, you know, fight hunger and food insecurity in, in, in the U.S. And the second pillar is really around environmental sustainability. Um, since the early days, we really built caterings that were designed designed around environmental sustainability. So we use materials that are either fully compostable and biodegradable or that we can recycle and reuse. It allows us to have a very minimalistic footprint on the environment when clients use us for, you know, buffet-style catering. But one of the gaps was, you know, the carbon that's, you know, emitted as we're driving around town to picking up food and, and to clients. So we just launched at the beginning of this year a new program called Carbon Neutral Delivery. It's essentially an offset program where we've um, started building a forest of mangroves in the Philippines. We seeded initially with 2,000 trees and are continuing to add to it. So as we as we do deliveries and carbon's emitted, we provide to continue to build the forest such that the mangroves that are there will offset that carbon emission in the first year. And so part of the reason for mangroves is they're amazing at carbon sequester. They they pull in, you know, four or five times what a typical tree will from a, a carbon perspective. And so it's just, you know, it's a small thing, but it's just trying to help, you know, with the problem, right? right, Raising awareness and helping do, you know, a little bit in terms of addressing, you know, some of the challenges around global warming and, and carbon these days. In the last five years, the pandemic, inflation, and work environment flexibility has forced businesses, big and small, to make strategic adaptations. I asked Jeff what Hungary has done to work around these external hurdles. Yeah, it's been a really interesting operating environment for the last three, four years. Um, just you know, one one interesting challenge after the end of the next. It started with COVID, as we mentioned in March. Um, our entire business, you know, ninety-five percent of it, you know, went up in smoke overnight because everybody fled the offices. You know, as a platform for office and event catering, there was suddenly you know virtually zero demand. It was us and the cruise ship operators were like nothing to do. And so we had a board meeting and the discussion was, you know, do we fire and furlough most of the team and just try to survive? And we, we since the founding of the company, have had a big focus on culture and environment and team. And we really loved the team that we'd built and didn't want to, you know, break that down. We also had chefs in our network that were depending on us. And we just felt like there's got to be an alternative path. So we decided, give us a chance to innovate our 
way through this. We'll find a way to the other side without firing and furloughing. And so we looked at the key advantages that we have. We built you know, really amazing technology around delivery and logistics that helps support our core business. We have a rock star operations team. We have our chefs. And we started to roll out a series of new business lines in rapid succession. So it was, let's figure out how we get some revenue in the door quick. And some of them you know, worked in varying degrees, but two really took off quickly. So we were very fortunate. Within 60 days, we had launched a, what was called a virtual experience solution where we provide with celebrity chefs, sommeliers, mixologists, and a Zoom-based you know, live experience where we mail kits to everybody ahead of time. So you have everything you need to participate in the experience. So it could be a cooking related or mixing drinks, et cetera, and really turn that into a world-class solution. Still offer it today. But during COVID, that that business just took off like a rocket and really helped carry us. The other was we used a lot of our operational team and technology to start to enable last mile food delivery. So it started very pandemic related. Initially in New York City, we were called on to help deliver meals to low income seniors. And what started off as a couple hundred meals a day turned into a million and a half meals a month within a couple months. We were delivering across all five boroughs, just an immense amount of food being delivered to help folks survive the pandemic who could no longer go to community centers to you know, get food. That then was a springboard into us getting called in with cities across the country. So we were taking that capability and starting to roll it out everywhere. And today it has pivoted. So there's no more pandemic relief, obviously, but it's doing last mile delivery for prepared meal companies, for online grocers, different types of B2C food companies, typically on a subscription basis. We're very efficient in, in being able to deliver food to the doorstep much less expensively and much more reliably than a FedEx or UPS. And then we can also help them transition away from boxes and cold packs that all go into the trash and use a fully sustainable model with reusable temp bags and, and gel packs. And so, which strips additional costs out of the packaging of the food delivery. So those are now smaller parts of our business is the, the core, original core has really come roaring back with return to office, but they helped us actually, um, we doubled sales um, during the course of pandemic on the, on the basis of mostly those two new service lines. That's incredible. And, you know, every great entrepreneur and, and great team can pivot. And obviously, congrats to you and the team on that. I know that um, you're in 13 cities, is that correct? That's right. 13. And so w- were there just a few that were no-brainers, Jeff, that you just went after right away? And how did you map out where you're going to be and maybe talk about the future in terms of different geographies that you'd like to be in? So the full founding team was living in the Washington, D.C. area. So that's how we picked that first. (laughs) But uh, it's really how we started was here in in the DMV. It's actually not the easiest market. Um, It's a very diverse market with a lot of ad hoc ordering as well as some program. So there's different sort of types of clientele. But it really helped us, you know, perfect the technology or go to market. We then went to Philadelphia, which was strategically, you know, that's also another challenging city, but we did it through a small acquisition. Um, So it gave us sort of the confidence to kind of go to another city first. After that, it was Atlanta, New York, Boston. Those were all great cities, but we were kind of staying on the East Coast, mostly just to kind of manage the time zones. And it wasn't until really after COVID that we really flexed up. Last year, especially, we made huge investments in sort of scaling up to 13 different cities and uh, are now, you know, operating coast to coast and growing, you know, triple digit rates. Cool. Talk about, you know, uh, investors invest behind people mostly, obviously uh, need a solid business model and, and the ability to scale as you're doing, but maybe talk about your senior team and the culture of the organization. 
How would you answer that question? We try to focus a lot on environment and culture at Hungary. We, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of our purpose, you know, our, our core purpose is to improve the lives of everyone we touch. And so we celebrate our chefs and our clients and what we're helping out in the community. But we also focus a lot on our team. We have nine core values that really govern how we operate together. And it's a mutual commitment. It's how the company sort of commits to operate, you know, with the team and how the team, you know, is committing to follow those core values as well. And they're kind of like our recipe for success. You know, they're kind of the key ingredients that allow us to, I think, really perform at a high level. And inside that, we have a lot of focus on things like promoting from within and, and diversity. We have an incredibly diverse team. We're a majority female uh, organization. I think we're 40% minority and a pretty diversified leadership team as well. So a lot of, you know, focus on, on team, on training, development, just different initiatives to try to really make sure we've got the best team out there. And, and it translates into, I think, you know, superior operational performance. It seems like... Uh particularly now with kind of the market ripping and, and people coming back to uh, work, some, certainly not all. What are you seeing out there? How's that affecting your growth rate? How do you feel about the next 12 to 24 months of the business? Yeah, so I, I'd say the, the biggest macro trend is in our favor, which is return to office. So it's been kind of slowly but steadily happening. It's, it's continuing to happen. I think you'll see this Labor Day, another inflection point with more companies kind of pushing harder to, to require people back to the office. That is driving rapid growth in, in the corporate food market. So that you know, adds a lot of wind in our sails and that I think will continue for years to come. I, I, don't, I think the, we're still gonna you know, figure out where that new normal lies and I think it's gonna, you know, we're gonna evolve to it over time. The pullback in the economy and budget tightening and in the funding market, you know, being more difficult has certainly led to some budget cutbacks and some companies, you know, trying to pull back on on spending on food. But but the RTO has certainly, as a macro force, is swamping that. So we feel really good about the overall market and the market opportunity. It's a huge market growing quickly, and so it's really been about you know how do we how do we try to capture as much of that as we can. So that's why big investments in expanding our geographic footprint. We acquired a healthy snacks company called Nature Box last year to provide a really compelling office snacks and pantry solutions component to our business. And this year we should end the year you know, in the, between kind of 70, $80 million run rate level. And uh, the goal is to continue to sort of double every year, which we've been you know, roughly doing year after year. Yeah, well, very impressive. What, uh, I guess my last question, Jeff, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs and, and business owners trying to navigate this environment or pulling something together like this, trying to get professional backing, finding the right business model, having kind of the grit to make it happen? What have you learned in your career having been through all these startups and successes? What's the biggest thing you could pass along? My thinking on this has evolved over time. This is being my fourth venture back company, but I kind of think of four C's. It's confidence, culture, customers, and community. So I think confidence is you got to have a you know, core belief in what you're doing. You know, people are going to push, you know, tell you all the reasons why it isn't going to work. You know, you need to have a little bit of irrational optimism as an entrepreneur, right? And so if you don't have that, like you're not going to inspire others. You're not going to bring people along in the journey. And, and so you've got to be able to project the future and, and do that with confidence. Culture, I think it's all about team. It's about building a great team, creating an environment where people love to be there, want to work super hard and help you know, the company drive to success. Customers, it's critically important, regardless of what business you have, is to be customer focused, like really understand what their pain points are, what do they value, what's important to them, build your business around that. And that's really what we've tried to do since day one. And last is community. I, I, it's important these days to think beyond just 
trying to make money as a business, but you know, how are you having a positive impact on the world? We think about it you know, mostly through the idea of community, but there's various ways to do that. But I think every business today, I think strategically it's valuable and important, but I think it's also just the right thing to do is to have some viewpoint or vision around you know, how you're, you're making the world a better place. And, and I think if you can focus on those four broad categories, that's the core elements to take whatever you're gonna do and, and make it successful. As the workforce continues to shift post-pandemic, independence and flexibility is still a key expectation for workers and consumers. In the food industry, where many restaurants are struggling to hire and retain employees, Hungary has created a versatile solution for consumers and a unique opportunity for entrepreneurs. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast. And in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. I'd like to thank Jeff Grass for joining us on the show today. It's no wonder Hungary is backed by an amazing investor group and has triple-digit sales. Their strong culture and values are a winning combination for everyone. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena. References to specific stocks are not intended to be recommendations for specific trading behavior. Comments presented on this podcast are intended for informational and educational purposes only and do not represent opinions or recommendations on whether to buy, sell, or hold shares of a particular stock. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual stocks before making a trading decision. In addition, investors are advised that past stock performance is no guarantee of future price performance.